Welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me, to, to be honest with you, these days, whatever you want. Okay. Q will well, do just fine, though. I'll continue to call you Q. <laughs> All right, thank <laughs> For the you. sake of convenience. That worked nice. <laughs> so there was a conversation I got in today, and it gets me a bit curious now because I'm not sure where my perception came from, but I was under the impression that, um, you know, Princess Daisy, the character from Nintendo lore. Yes. I used to get the sense that like she used to be rendered with much kind of darker skin tone and she always kind of gave off like a Latina flair. But when I am just kind of Googling, you know, pictures and renders of her from the N64 for entirely innocent reasons, just to prove my point in <laughs> yeah, this yeah, argument specifically. It wasn't something I was just doing per chance. <laughs> uh, she seems like she might have always been white. Is that or that she's that the case? Do you also seem to remember there being a time when Daisy was much darker skin than she is now? So there's uh, somebody has a YouTube video um now mm. this is on my search history too so i'm gonna end up on a watch list um but it looks like from what i can tell it's called the evolution of princess daisy everything's always a conspiracy mm. theory right on the internet that's how you get clicks are you calling evolution a conspiracy theory first of <laughs> no, all no 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 <laughs> um <laughs> but more specifically it shows in 1989 i guess some black and white game boy game uh i right. think mario and game for boy, super mario land where she's kind of depicted with uh, pretty dark hair maybe she's also uh, as italian looking as mario in that but <laughs> I, I think we can kind of rule out game boy games from the <laughs> from the mix of ethnicity representation it's it's very limited palette they had to work with there well i'll tell you this her mario tennis uh, her first appearance in Mario Tennis, a little bit less clear, but then Super Smash Brothers Melee. So if you Google Super Smash Brothers Melee Princess Daisy, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Is that the look you're you have in your head? Yeah, yeah, right. So it's a uh, the trophy, and it's noticeably darker than uh, which you know. I feel like two white guys on a podcast talking about the skin tone <laughs> so of skin color. video game women yeah. is a dicey subject. We are uh, we are not saying that... <laughs> Maybe we have our own conspiracy theory. I mean, let's not turn down these clicks for a second. I don't know if this is what I want to be known for. I'm just, I'm just purely <laughs> curious about the history of this character. Yeah, it, it would seem to me that uh, Nintendo has a pretty pretty whitish lineup of heroes and uh yeah this trophy of princess daisy i would say almost like goldeny brown hair probably a little bit more on the latina end or maybe italian end of the spectrum Mm -hmm. but uh yeah she i mean i have the amiibo also that i'm looking at and she looks as uh peachy fleshy pinkish that's the smash bros iteration which i feel like they kind of fully went all in on just being another white character in the mushroom kingdom yeah i don't know representation matters i feel like nintendo had an open goal that they just kind of chose not to take which is a bit unfortunate but uh 
Bring back uh, my my Latina queen Daisy. I'm I'm here for it. I don't know of any Latina Nintendo characters. There have been a, a much better representation of black characters in recent Nintendo games, which has been great. I, I love the representations in uh, Arms and a lot of the other Nintendo Switch. Uh, there's a, a great um, you know there's a lot of great skin tone options for Mii's. Obviously, that's supposed to be based off of the users, and even in the newer Animal Crossing properties, you can actually have a darker skin tone instead of just getting a non-permanent tan. So, um, you know, they've been trending in the right direction. <laughs> we are trending in the right direction. Although I will say that I, the other day, I think I observed on Twitter that, boy, when you look at that, um, that boring Fire Emblem lineup in Smash Brothers. Let's just say that blue hair is represented very, very well, yeah. disproportionately <laughs> to the actual population. Maybe in our pitches today, we'll be able to Yeah, get some representation into the 21st century <laughs> i uh let's leave it up to you q what are you bringing us today okay um uh, well mine can certainly have a character creator that solves for the problem that we uh we just brought up but let's not put it on the let's not put the burden of this on the <laughs> on players the user. you know it's up to representation matters we want to see some people of color and box hearts well i don't know if i want to do that because this is a game about shooting each other so <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Let's tread lightly. Uh, first person game, okay? Small, maybe semi-open space. Uh, think of something more on the the magnitude of uh, like an open warehouse room from GoldenEye or something like that, uh, where players spawn in, we could do two, we could do more, and every player has three shots, uh, three bullets in their gun, and when you shoot, your bullets travel in kind of slower motion, and you can see their trails. So imagine in your head almost a super hot-like uh, visualization for the bullets coming at you. Um, as a player, you can duck, lean, jump, and you can also lay flat and kind of press yourself against service, uh, surfaces to dodge bullets. And if you perfectly time your dodge, maybe let the kind of force a near miss with the bullet then you actually snatch that bullet from the air and you get an additional shot in your gun um, and the whole crux is if you get hit you die one hit one kill that's it so that's my pitch a one hit one kill bullet slow motion dodging matrixy insane game all right let's go ahead and start the clock there you're suggesting that this is kind of an open level like a like one big room in a way or are you still kind of counting on hallways and, and stuff like the golden eye maps tend to be pretty labyrinthine yeah i think you could definitely do a lot of hallways and stuff but you kind of want especially imagine four players in this uh, you kind of want to create bullets almost feeling like a room of lasers or something uh, uh yeah yeah uh, a, you know a big cross section of stuff so i think Something as dumb and simple as a big open rectangle, um, maybe with little spawn rooms or something, is kind of interesting because I love the 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 thought of maybe attempting to hide in your spawn room. But uh, if enough people notice you're hiding in there, they could try and light up the room, uh, which would be pretty hard to escape. But they, I mean, I think you could do different maps where you maybe have a little bit more twisty and turny spaces in addition to an open space or something like that. One of the things this makes me think of for some reason is the bouncing green koopa shell from mario kart games yes and just seeing it coming and saying oh i'm not going to end up in its direct trajectory and then right. getting hit by it regardless a ricochet off of a wall and then realizing you're bad at billiards 
<laughs> so a couple of elements I would like to introduce to this are these bullets should bounce off the walls infinitely. And so oh. every shot that you take is another danger for you and your opponents that you're putting out into the field permanently. Mm. And so especially if you're dealing with, um, you know, twisting narrow hallways in a kind of labyrinthine structure, then as you shoot a bullet, maybe you want to close off a hallway to make it too risky to try to jump through. But, uh, you know, in the end, that could come back and bite you in the butt. As you're trying to, like, get away or you you miscalculated your angle or yeah, something. Or, or even it could, you know, circle the entire map and bounce around all the walls and come and hit you in the back of the head. But, you know, something that all of these, every shot should feel like a decision to make the entire map feel more dangerous. And, uh, you know, you're pointing it in a certain direction. So presumably it's going to make the part of the map that the enemy is in more dangerous sooner. But in the long run, all it does is just kind of increase the number of hazards that everybody has to avoid. That makes me want to, if you do slightly larger maps or something like that, that makes me want to have like single shotguns or two or three shotguns scattered <laughs> all over um in different areas and stuff so eventually like by the end of a match you have you know potentially a a dizzying array of uh, mm-hmm. of, uh ballistics all over the place but playing off of that i love the idea of in the rare chance because they're so small in the rare chance that two bullets strike each other they they must have to create like a thousand little projectiles or something crazy, right? Yeah, or maybe they cancel each other out at that point, since it is such a small chance. But I, I do like the escalation of, you know, by the end of the match, you're firing shotguns, which are sending a spray of like 12 bullets in semi-random directions in front of you. I do like, and I think we're missing this a little bit. We we have shades of it with the Apex Legends and the, the sort of Battle Royale games of the world where people generally know there's a chance for an area to spawn a certain weapon or to have a certain power up. But that, that old feeling of the playing GoldenEye and knowing I, all I got to do is get the golden gun. All I got to do is find the shotgun mm-hmm. and that's going to give me some advantage and people you know, people knowing that and knowingly setting one of these bullet traps uh, to to deter somebody from being able to access that gun. Or what do you think about the idea of having, I don't know if panels is the right thing or environmental hazards, pieces of glass or something that if struck by a bullet uh, on a ricochet, you know, it it creates like a steam vent or something. It makes it hard to see or, it, you know, it kind of starts to destroy the environment a little bit. Yeah, that's an interesting idea as well, to create kind of low visibility areas. Um, I was thinking of also including different game modes, different game types. Maybe there's one kind of like Snake, where every bullet leaves a trail that is deadly. And so, of course, the map would fill up a lot more quickly because uh, you'd have to really be careful with where you're stepping. Uh, It's almost like the laser grid in Ocean's 12. But, um, you know, it's just... You're trying or you are kind of creating lines of permanently dangerous space instead of sending one dangerous projectile into semi-random motion. That's cool because then you start to create the feeling of like while a space starts to fill up with these barriers or lasers or whatever, you are really starting to put the lean uh, mechanics and the and the shimmying against surfaces and stuff 
to good use because I I think you want as much of the action to feel like it's about maneuvering around or making these sort of dodging based decisions uh, as you do want it to feel like um, a kind of throwback first person shooter. I have a feeling since this is such a a game that requires a good sense of kind of bodily autonomy or of knowing where you are in physical space. Is it a third person? Digital proprioception is first person the most appropriate for this or yeah. should this be set in third person, maybe with a tiny little hitbox like you would get in a shmup? I love that idea. And you know what? Set it in third person and create a bunch of opportunities for weird costumes and, and uh, all sorts of personality that you can infuse in it. And I, and I even love the idea of, let's say it's four player, for example, doing a kind of throwback to N64 where, or super hot plus N64, where you go a little polygonal in the character mm-hmm. interpretations and you can do really strong colors for each player. So you kind of know uh, who, what players bullets um, because you can match the color of the trail or something um, you're encountering. And, and that way, you know, when you died from your own bullet, what a shame. That'd be pretty good. Or, oh gosh, this would be a lot of fun. If, if when you die, you get to see kind of a fast motion trail of the bullet from the time it was shot to the time that it hit you. And so you get to trace the entire trajectory. And <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. And you know what? Okay. So here we go. Oh, for some, for whatever reason, this is, uh, I really want to play this thing now. Uh, yeah. the, <laughs> you just, uh, brought up Mario Kart when we kick this thing off, we got to mm-hmm. let you be able to shoot behind you. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that, that is just a small thing that you really can't do in a shooter in many ways, like shooting behind you. I know like PUBG and, and, and certain battle Royale games let you independently look from the the direction of your character, but not usually extend your arm and shoot in that direction. So (laughs) an independent uh, shooting arm, so you can shoot in multiple directions as you kind of run in another, but you're really going to want to watch where you're running, right? Because of all these crazy, uh, crazy bullets bouncing around. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I was wondering, you know, how useful because in Mario Kart, it's, um, its purpose is to allow you to shoot in a direction that you're not moving because you're always presumably moving forward. But yeah. in a first person shooter, there's much less risk to just kind of turning around and shooting anyways. But I guess in this case, since movement is such a, uh, it is kind of the prime directive in a way, then uh, yeah, I guess it makes sense to be able to shoot and move independently. So I get, I got one more wrinkle for you. I, I, do think that it is a stronger idea to have bullets cancel each other out if two bullets hit each other. So you can actually a little bit play defensively and mm. you can be like a Neo or somebody who's someone who's going to like shoot a bullet in the middle of the air. That's that sort of weird 2000s action Hollywood trope. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you run out of guns and bullets in a stage then sudden death happens and it's like a slap fight. Interesting. Okay. (laughs) No guns left, no bullets left. You just got to kind of whack each other to death. (laughs) All right. Well, let's go ahead and close that one down and come up with a name for it. I think I've, I I don't often come in with a name, but I might have one now. What do you think about one hit wonders? (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) I think that we could do something with ricochet or something like that. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think One Hit Wonders fits this this idea pretty well. Sure. One Hit Wonders, The Legend of Rick O'Shea. <laughs> Rick Cachet. <laughs> Rick, Rick Cachet. <laughs> you know what I was, uh, what I discovered the other day is, um, speaking of Mario Kart, and this is completely off topic, but the game Blur, do you remember that game? I do. Oh my God. I need to Google it though. It's kind of like Mario Kart, but with real cars in a way. Um, but it's, uh, basically not available anywhere anymore. Like it's been pulled from all digital services. I think it was because of like music licensing or something like that, but like you just cannot play blur any longer. It's just gone. Blur. I'm looking at it right now. Somebody has, I don't know if it was in HD or I remember this game. Holy cannoli. Yeah. And you had like, you could shoot. Yeah. It was a 360 PS3. Wow. Blur. Huh. Hey, you know what? As long as we're talking, I know uh, we're going to get to your finish in a second, but special shout out this week to a game that really sounded like a playwright pitch that's on Steam now, the Split or Steel. Have you heard of this thing? Mm, no. It is It is a, uh, it's a game about the prisoner's dilemma, essentially, right? Where two people oh, get okay. into a chat room that lasts about two minutes long, and uh, at the end of it, you both have to decide if you're going to split the money uh, if you're going to steal, get double the money, the other person gets nothing, um, or <laughs> you're going to walk away. And if you, I guess if, uh, if you do decide to steal and the other person split, you get labeled a cheater for some duration of time, or you get labeled a, mm. a thief for some duration of time. So you're kind of, uh, publicly chided in a chat room about uh, your behavior. Interesting. So what is it that you're, that you want the money for in the first place then? That's a good question. I think like they literally go through matches, I think like 10 rounds and, you know, maybe the money is kind of a lifetime score type of mechanic, but, uh, people like move up the leaderboards with how much money they, they accumulate. Mm, okay, cool. But or steal. All right. Or steal. That's our mini pitch for the day. Let's go on to my pitch. Uh, today I want to bring a card game, a digital card game about committing an elaborate murder, kind of like Clue. And uh, cards can represent actions that you can take. So, you know, moving around the mansion or making sure, um, you know, trying to make sure you have an alibi, framing people, putting them in a dark room and moving things around. So anything that you need to do to get away with the murder is an action that's represented by a card. And basically you have the hand that you're dealt and you try to, you know, sort out this murder with, um, yeah, with those cards. So it's kind of like a reverse clue in a way then. So I'm going to go ahead and start the clock there. So you said sort out this murder, you mean like get away with, right? Mm-hmm. Did you see the movie uh, Knives Out? Yes, I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew you would have enjoyed this movie. So <laughs> uh, you totally reminded me of it and I love this idea. And I love the idea of maybe there's like a wild card or something in the deck that is um, point blame or like blame someone Mm -hmm. and like blaming somebody like draws suspicion away from you and you're able to like get away with a couple actions for a couple turns or something like that but almost like playing cards and as you depending on the card value or maybe the the action points you you need to like use a card then you could have like a, a suspicion meter or something that you're almost trying to like play against i think it would be the most interesting if you know this is during 
the murder before there's any investigator at play. And so, you know, or maybe the first round of the game is before the investigator arrives. And it's basically you just trying to commit an elaborate murder and make sure that somebody else gets framed for it, or you are seen in another part of the house very soon before or after, or you set up a kill that happens in a room that you couldn't possibly be in, you know, any, any of these things. And then maybe in round two, the investigator arrives and then it's up to you to try to silence witnesses who may have seen the actual murder take place or, you know, tie up loose ends, retrieve evidence, whatever it is, but it's all based on the cards that you have in your hand. I love the idea of, uh, (laughs) of maybe having a mechanic where you're able to do the classic murder mystery thing and murder other people Mm -hmm. to continue to like set up a case for somebody else having done it. But, uh, I like the idea of the sort of phases, uh, of the game. So like the, the, the setup, the, the murder itself, I guess phase one is the murder, phase two is the investigation, and phase three is the, maybe the phase three mostly never happens, but if you do get caught, there's like a chase or an escape that you, <laughs> like, so if you really, you know, tank, you have this kind of last ditch effort where you have to get really lucky to to make kill it the out. investigator and... <laughs> Whoa, God, yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> What does it look like? I I mentioned the idea of the suspicion meter and like during the investigator being there phase, maybe this is always filling and it's like drawing cards from a deck and and depending on the order that you play them or like the cards themselves are like you play more than one to string together a, a solid event or like proposed version of the events to the investigator to kind of throw them off the trail and like bring that meter down or, or slow it down potentially. Perhaps. I guess I see it more as the game of kind of social engineering where you're trying to get other people to, based on the actions, the things that they've observed to absolve you and to, um, and to point the finger at other innocent people. Um, instead. But uh, yeah, maybe there is some sort of mechanic where you get directly questioned and then you can give an account of what happened. That's interesting. And for the murder portion of it, I wonder if there's like a, let's say that there's a little map, you know, almost like a, almost like a Magic the Gathering or something where there's like, depending on where the location you play a card, things happen. And so you can play cards that keep people in a room or get people to leave a room. And um, you're sort of manipulating people's positions. And that can potentially help you like uh, place blame on those people. It could also potentially, um, if you can play cards that have uh, a delayed effect you know, like a, a bag that releases poison gas, but it takes three turns to do so or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. you can play that, get people to leave the room, go into another room, get someone to leave that room and go into the room that you wish. And so now you have this much more convincing indirect uh, murder that that gives you a bonus going into the second round. Yeah, perhaps you have a target that you have to assassinate at the dinner party or whatever. And it's up to you to like whatever you need to do to try to get them alone or, you know, into another room, reduce the number of witnesses, reduce the number of casualties of other people, because those will all have like point reductions or maybe fail you outright. But, um, 
you know, it's just about kind of isolating your target. And uh, maybe every room has several ways that you can murder somebody. You could use a weapon, but that's risky because that leaves something behind. If you try to make it look like an accident in Hitman style, maybe every room has a fireplace. Maybe there's a chandelier in certain rooms that you can drop on people if you cut the rope or whatever. Mm. And so, you know, you, you based on the room that they're in and based on the cards that are in your hand, maybe one of your actions corresponds with uh, one of the room's kind of death traps, or maybe you have to move your target to another room. I like the idea of the of having kind of a situation where you you draw some cards and you realize that they're not going to be applicable to killing someone in the room uh, that you originally may have thought you wanted to try or something like that. Like, oh, these are all cards about manipulating furniture and I'm going to have the best chance of like killing someone with a piece of furniture if I get them in like the study or something like that. There was a game I used to play when I was a kid. It was a board game called 13 Dead End Drive, which I really enjoyed. It was a it was kind of like Clue, but you would set up, it was a, almost like Mousetrap in a way. You would set up all these plastic bits that would go on top of the board. And uh, you could, you know, based on the squares that characters ended up on, then you could trigger certain traps to, you know, to try to kill them. Uh, it wasn't quite so much like s- staying secretive. It was more about, you know, don't end up in the wrong place when somebody has that particular kill switch. But um, I just, I just really love the idea of these elaborate mansions with death traps sprinkled throughout them. That's kind of interesting. And so maybe if you get different maps, you're able to find out secrets about them or, or you, there's cards that will reveal a secret function of a house or a space, um, and then that becomes something that you have to still maneuver someone to and trigger um, with a separate card, or you get to play off of with an additional card. But it almost like reveals map opportunities, and it, you know, it can. I love the idea of visually this looking like something between Hearthstone. And a clue where you have a very sort of illustrated map and illustrated board and, and you know, that sort of great style that you don't see a lot of these days. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about the elements of a murder mystery and there's what, there's the accusation moments, there's, mm-hmm. is should we go full... I don't know if Nancy Drew is the right word, but maybe like Agatha Christie of like a turn all the lights out in the house and like, <laughs> or maybe oh, yeah, that's like sure. random events that happen that you can, uh, you can play a part in triggering or, or maybe they can happen naturally. Or like in the movie clue, you know, there's plenty of cutting the electricity lines and stuff like that, where, or cutting the phone cords, especially is a very common thing in murder movies. And I love the idea if it, depending on the the room that you go into or the cards that you play, there's like a random chance uh, in the round or something that, or while you're committing the murder that like a, a house pet is going to show up and you'll, <laughs> you know, you'll now need to like placate the pet in some way you don't want the Mm. parrot saying murderer murderer that kind of thing (laughs) all right uh that's been long enough on that one let's come up with a name for it oh boy you could go really bold and say something like clue (laughs) two the sequel that everyone's been waiting for what what else what else let's create our own original ip let's own this property (laughs) i i love the idea of of using a term like manor 
or uh or have like dinner party or something like that murder party <laughs> um Whoa, let's see is there anything to murder with disorienting decks almost like murder on the orient express oh that is a, a lot stretch. of stuff yeah <laughs> murder with disorienting decks murder on the deck or murder in the deck or maybe we use like a, a true card term like murder of hearts or something like that or let's see draw uh what are card terms oh uh, murder in <laughs> so, so speaking of cheesy uh other titles draw m for murder <laughs> <laughs> pretty good as well i like that what were you gonna say you were saying um murder in the cards uh, murder in spades murders in spades murder in spades oh that's pretty good because there's a lot of murder happening <laughs> um that, that might be good enough to get us there murder in spades it's not bad murders in spades murders it's, in spades uh, yeah pretty pretty good and Let's that's good cool. so that. you have the illustration style you can do like an old-timey playing card deck and and have things written on it that's cool all right let's go now to our community and this is coming in uh this is a uh email that was sent directly to our inbox uh really excited about this one it's called 2020 new seven incredible best-selling video optimization apps um <laughs> really giving a lot away in the headline there so thank you Anasur Rahman, for sending this one in uh let me just read the email here it says you studio kick off 2020 with our seven incredible video optimization apps for the price of one <laughs> grab the all-in-one this is all capitalized every single word grab the all-in-one youtube marketing bundle comprising yep. seven software for the price of one and become the go-to agency for video marketing mm -hmm. needs of all the local businesses needs of all the local businesses <laughs> needs of keyword all research headline creator how much what does it take to create a Anyways, viral video finder. <laughs> if it's viral, it shouldn't be that hard to yeah, find. Yeah, we already but... do all this. This is easy. <laughs> Competitor spy. Yeah, that sounds illegal. <laughs> sorry. Corporate sorry. espionage. That's, that's <laughs> it, right? Um, video creator, graphics designer, video mm. scheduling. So take action now. Seize this opportunity and start generating profits. Take the class. <laughs> Sign up right now. Upload your logo and customize to your liking. And just like that, you are ready to go. Learn more. Copyright 2020. <laughs> you Copyright Studio. You Studio. So, so if you're a new listener to the show, <laughs> the, the context of this is, if you don't have a video game pitch, we have occasionally said you can go ahead and sign us up for an email list or two. Obviously... <laughs> that is what happened here. Begin to come straight to our inbox. No junk mail filter. But age, I I am sorry. I didn't even realize this was a class until I saw the big orange button that says "Take the class." Well, it's trying to sell software, so I don't know if it is. <laughs> A class, but anyways, let's start the clock and see what we can make of this. Okay. So there's several back-of-the-box functions here, which I find, uh, I mean, when was the last time that you saw Duke Nukem do keyword research? <laughs> I can't I can't say often. Competitor Spy feels That's like a, a video game, game in its own. a game right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Competitor Spy video creator. Um, you could even do Competitor Spy colon video creator. <laughs> video scheduling graphics designer love that that's that's close to my heart um headline creator keyword research so obviously i mean if you were a a a spy in real life 
Um, and you did create videos. Presumably, they're Al Qaeda like videos of you holding somebody hostage. That yes. would create headlines. Yes, this is not inaccurate. Yeah, and of course, like the the sort of set decoration and stuff could be a graphics designer's job or the virtual set creation. Um, you're making some um, like home flipper like uh, uh, sets <laughs> that you can kind of arrange and. It's really all about the lighting for the effect, so isn't it? Let's say that this game, you are a, I don't want to say a terrorist because that's such a, uh, that's such a, a loaded term, but yeah. you are a spy trying to destabilize. Maybe you're trying to like, you know, form a coup or maybe you try to destabilize some sort of government and you are posting threatening videos to the crown of this corrupt nation or whatever. And, um, uh, but they just aren't going anywhere. And so you are, oh, let's say that's, yeah, some sort of, you know, terrorist cell or whatever, hire you a lowly marketing intern <laughs> to uh. spice up their videos and to get them viewed around the world. And so that, you know, people could become really, terrorized we play the role of the intern yes yeah exactly so it's up to us to to do whatever we can to remix these videos to you know create eye-catching headlines and and stuff you know you won't believe how many people get beheaded in this terrible video or you know whatever (laughs) it is whatever it is ah okay this is about (laughs) video optimization right yeah seo for the very worst people on the planet. <laughs> so uh, one of the things, so, okay, competitor spy. I think like you could have a mechanic where you view other scary videos that you're kind of like trying to trying to get better results then, or you're trying to beat in search. And so you, mm-hmm. uh, you have the ability to do some competitive research here. Maybe you... <laughs> Maybe you find that the best way to communicate your message is to make a screamer video. Do you remember those? Those just don't exist anymore. There's like a whole generation of kids now that don't know what screamers are. <laughs> That's where like suddenly you go, bah, right? Like in a popping up in front of the screen. And yeah, yeah. but it was normally like a video of kittens. That's great. Yeah. And a great opportunity for graphics designer. A great opportunity, really. <laughs> great opp- <laughs> that actually is the ad that you originally read in the paper at the beginning of the game. Great opportunity for graphics designer. <laughs> Take action now. Seize this opportunity and start generating profits. So if you generate profits, uh, generating profits, um, maybe that would be like profits for the end times or maybe you're trying to establish some sort of a religious sect. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So now you have to, maybe you're just getting in. So you're the marketing intern they've hired overseas and overseas just happens to be like Danbury, Connecticut or something like that, because these mm-hmm. these are actually coming in from Russia or some scary place. There are plenty of lovely people in Russia. There's plenty of lovely people. I, I hear they're wonderful people. Um, so now start generating profits. You just have to take this footage and you're entirely in charge of maybe it's almost like how you can apply filters and like overlay graphics in Snapchat or Instagram 
and so there's like a very simple, this could be a mobile game or something where you have like a touch and point and drag interface where you're like assembling these things. You can also like change the color filter on the video to like look a little bit more grainy. And then of course you got to cut it up to maybe even change what is being said um, by the scary person in the video in order to, to generate maximum impact. What if going back to the profits thing, if we're trying to sell basically, you know, some kind of hokey cult or something that somebody started. So kind of like a Scientology type thing where we just got to give it like a good PR spin. We're hired on to some, you know, like in the Simpsons, they go to that cult camp at one point and, you know, we're trying to put a good face on something that is objectively very bad. Yeah. I guess you'd have to handle it with some sort of deference and maybe there's, maybe there is, I, I, there, there might be a visual way to treat the game that makes it slightly less like you want to be careful not to racially code it. You don't want to, mm-hmm. uh, code it based on a location. So maybe this is just, you, you do the classic sort of video game or sci-fi cop out where you make everything aliens and from different planets and that sort of thing. Or just go, you know, all Simpsons and just make everyone ridiculous colors. Right. Right. And so now you have a, a situation where not only can you kind of break from that stuff, but you can make, you can actually like when you go to different planets or let's say you have to release these videos and make these people look like a profit per planet that you're releasing the videos on. And so you have to like learn about the planet's mythology and ethos and their, okay, okay. their beliefs. And then you're like, okay, I'm, I have to cut a video and do graphics and stuff that are going to appease or, or, or really sort of uh, put the fear of Glorthob uh, in in the people of Glorthob Seven, I was going to say, in um, if we're going interstellar with this, one of the challenges is I, I think part of the part of the fun in doing kind of a marketing simulator is uh, playing off of human psychology in a way, because that's all that like marketing really is is just kind of like trying to find interesting ways into people's minds. If you're dealing with aliens, you really don't have any baseline to. Uh, you can't bring any of that like a real world knowledge into it, but maybe that, you know, like you're saying, maybe you can learn about these different alien races. Maybe that's all okay. I also think what could be fun, right. And an opportunity to be satirical is if you take the planets and you, you label them and you base them off of like commonly heard or understood marketing segments, right? Like you do the, like, uh, boomeration, you know, planet, or you do the, uh, millennial else, uh, or something like that. So, um, you know, and, and when you read about this planet, I'm like, this planet's crazy for avocados or something, you know, really sort of hand over fist stuff and okay, okay. find get, a way to have yeah. fun with it. All right. That's fun. Um, Oh, the undecided voter planet. Let's do that one. They can't make up their minds about anything. Oh boy. <laughs> Popular one though. Um, yeah. So what if, uh, what if there are ways to try to like kind of subtly send messages to the authorities to try to have whoever you're working for taken into justice? Maybe there's a uh, good and evil paths that you can take to either further obscure what they're doing or, you know, try to communicate with people. Maybe there are kind of like undercover boss situations where somebody might come and say, I'm with the FBI, you know, turn over your leader and if you do, then the boss would say like, oh, that was actually me in disguise, 
you're gonna get neutralized or whatever <laughs> neutralized even better um the hmm that's interesting how would you sort of expose the person i feel like there's so much um there's so much to video editing around like maybe you have the cheesy power to quote enhance parts of the <laughs> image right so you can kind mm -hmm. of like zoom in and sharpen aspects of it and be able to uh cut to things show that, like an address yeah an show an address or feature. like oh the guy accidentally uh had his like uh in a family photo or something in the background mm -hmm. something crazy right uh that's all the time we have on that one um i would like to give a big thanks to anasar Rahman for sending that one in that was sent directly to our inbox at playwrightcast at gmail.com. Uh, we, of course, thank all of our uh, our weekly listeners for writing in so frequently. Yeah. You can also send a pitch to uh, playwrightcast.com slash pitch, or you can tweet us at playwrightcast to have your idea read on a future show. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. And go, when you get a chance, check out the other great shows on the Kane and Rinse podcast network, like The Sausage Factory, like Sound of Play, like the Kane and Rins video game podcast. Just like those, in fact. All right. Um, that will do it for us today. Uh, to take us out of the show, I think it's up to you to deliver a miniature pitch. So there was a platformer recently where, um, I forget the name of it. You, there's two grappling hooks. You play a character that looks like an iPad. This is Kunai. Kunai, yes. What if we have a platformer where you play a ninja shaped like that weird pointy S we all drew in middle school. <laughs> all right. Um, we'll see you next week, everyone. <laughs> Bye.